Hi, and welcome to Life with Catherine, Episode 3, Letters. This episode involves my grandparents, Ken and Vicky. To respect my family's privacy, I will stay away from our heritage and dates and instead focus on my grandpa being a fisherman and some wonderful memories. One day, uh, recently, I was taking my regular SkyTrain trip into work, crossing over the Fraser River, and it hit me. It, it occurred to me that this is the river my grandpa used to fish on. My mind wandered around how he supported his family away from home and daydreamed about how he must have spent his downtime reading, playing cards, and socializing with other fishermen. Now on my trip into work, I smile when we cross the river, feeling like I'm getting a hug from him, feeling a connection. I remember receiving letters from him as a child, and I still have one from 1979. <laughs> I'll attach a copy, a picture of it for you. He always included a special, or dollar, a special dollar or two for pocket money. I remember being little when he was docked nearby, and we were in town visiting from Vancouver Island. My mom would take us down to the docks, and we would peek through the holes in the boards along the wharf, then climb aboard his boat, the Vicky. My sisters and my cousins and I. I remember inhaling heavy smells of wood, varnish, fish, and sea air. There would be a few books laying around, but otherwise it was quite tidy. You can read more about his boat in the book Fishing for a Living written by Alan Haig Brown. There's a great chapter on him called Final Resting Place about his boat. The Vicky was named after my grandma. Alan also has other books about fishing, the marine industry, one on the Fraser River, and he's also written some novels. I connected with Alan recently and he's agreed to come on the podcast to chat about the history of the Fraser River and other local stories. So. Watch for that episode in the near future. Uh, here's a short excerpt from the book Fishing for a Living on the chapter called Final Resting Place on page 98. Ken and his family liked the boat right away. It was longer than the Goldie and a good bit beamier, so there would be more comfort and seaworthiness. While still a double-ender, she had a roomy cockpit for a man to stand in and take fish from the net as it came over the stern to the powered drum. Equipped with a new high-speed Chrysler Ace gas engine, she cost Ken $4,500. For the next 34 years, Ken fished the Vicky out of New Westminster. He used it to earn money to pay for a house and put the kids through school and get ready for retirement. When it came time to sell the boat in 1986, he faced a problem. Owners of larger boats have a tradition of selling their boats to the engineer as someone who will care for it properly. Owners of smaller vessels hope to find a new owner who will lavish the appropriate respect on the cherished partner. But Ken did not have much hope of finding such person. The Vicky was an old-style wooden double-ender without the ability to pack large loads of fish in an insulated hold. She didn't offer the low-maintenance cost of the modern wood and aluminum boats, nor was she fast enough to speed up and down the coast. 
to the short openings which had come to the industry norm. So you can read the uh, rest of the article, uh, rest of the chapter. It's a wonderful piece of our family history. So I'm going to continue on with uh, the rest of the story. This is not part of the article. This is, um, or the chapter, this is uh, back to me talking. My grandpa, Ken, wrote wonderful letters to my grandma, Vicky, while he was away fishing. They start from when they were dating, through the wedding, kids, family, and end late in their marriage. It's a lovely piece of family hist history that my grandma kept all these letters. The letters are their own private story. But I feel it's an important reminder of how people connected with each other in earlier times. It feels really special to have this memory. An interesting piece I took from the letters is the idea, the idea of the letters is that he was off fishing or in his earlier years working on a site in trees, in the trees and, and all that. There wasn't always a post office nearby. You'd send mail to and from Port Hardy and when you eventually came into the city, you'd pick up your mail. It's so fascinating compared to the instant messages we get now. And if you weren't going to town for a while, you'd either wait or just ask for a friend to grab the mail for you. There's also a wonderful story. Um, an old article from a newspaper, The Daily Province, Vancouver, British Columbia, Wednesday, August 17th. It's really hard to read. It says August 17th, 1988, 1938. It's so hard to read. It says page 11. There's a picture of Vicky and Ken, my grandparents, and there's also a picture of their brother Otto, or his brother Otto. And here's what the uh, caption under the picture says. Safe after storm, waters of Fraser Mouth showed unexpected mercy to pretty Victoria Hagen and her fisherman husband, Knut Hagen. The Daily Province camera caught them as they returned in triumph to Haven at Steveston, where their boat was emptied of tons of water at a gasoline company barge. On the right is Knut, left is his brother Otto, who returned from a hopeless search to find the pair alive. And here's where the article starts. Brush with death. Fisherman's bride trapped in cabin of capsized boat. Mr. and Mrs. Hagen tell their tell story of their miraculous escape in storm on gulf. And the article is written by Arthur Mays, M-A-Y-S-E. Today at Steveston, Knut Hagen is making his gillnet boat ship-shape for another bout with the sea, which almost claimed him and his bride of six months 
in howling pre-dawn gloom Tuesday. By a stroke of luck, Knut escaped the bull wave that descended on his vessel. But slender 17-year-old Victoria Hagen won free by a miracle. So at least, say the hard-bitten men who follow the salmon. So at least say the hard-bitten men who follow the salmon. A brush with death is all in a day's work, however. And with sockeye running, men and women must go down to the sea. They go, not in ships, but in 28-foot gasoline-driven boats, with maybe 12 inches of freeboard. Just such a shell is the white-painted craft, in which husky quiet Knut and his wife cruise south from Rivers Inlet a week ago at the close of a fisherman's honeymoon. Their boat lies low in the water, still loggy from the battering of deadly breakers that crash into the estuary when the winds are loosed. Every pane in the cabin is shattered. Cocking is pounded on the forward deck. A bundle of splintered oars bears witness to the power of coast waters on a rampage. The dinghy is gone, ripped from its cradle aft by the breaker that struck like a crack of doom as the gas boat limped over the shallows at the mouth of the Fraser River with ailing engine. Knut's Story Knut, who is thirty-one and seven years a fisherman, tells the story in laconic snatches. It was a dirty night, and the wind seemed to be blowing harder all the time. We had our net aboard, and we were heading in for the river. My wife had gone below to her bunk. She'd been outside with me for a spell. It was a little after two o'clock, and we were about half a mile south of the lightship when this breaker came at us all of a sudden from the quarter. It was the biggest I'd ever seen. What happened next is all a mix-up. That wave threw us a hundred feet. Then we heeled over. I had to swim I had to swim deep to get clear. I came up and fought my way to the boat. I wasn't worried about the boat or my brand new net, only about Victoria. There's a proud smile in, Knut, in Knut's blue eyes as he continues. When I reached the boat, she was clinging to it. I still don't know how she ever got free of the cabin. The net had gone overside in a mass, and although my wife can only swim a few strokes, she managed to reach it and hold herself up by it. Well, Swamp The boat was pretty well swamped. We tried to climb onto it, but it went over again. It settled with the wheelhouse above water, though, and we were able to get a hold of that. I yelled myself hoarse, but what with the wind and waves, no one could hear. Saga told Knut reaches into the litter of salt-spoiled gear for a picture. It's a bridal snapshot of the couple. She wasn't afraid, he says. Kept her head all the way through. Victoria Hagen considers her, considers her escape something of a miracle, too. I was reading in my bunk when we swung over, she said. The sudden roll threw me over onto the radio, 
Then I landed on the ceiling as the boat rolled farther. My head struck the engine several times, and with each bump, I swallowed salt water. I could breathe all right. There was six inches or so of air above the water. I crawled to the door but got stuck. I can't remember working free, but when I did, the boat had partially righted itself. Their gas boat was one of a little fleet making in for shelter from the menacing westerly gale. A short time before, their engine had failed, and an elder brother, Otto Hagen, had given them a tow. Knut was able to tinker his engine, and the tow line had been cast off a short time before disaster smoked down on them. When that breaker hit, I could see nothing but spray for an instant, said Otto, and I looked for my brother's riding lights, and they were gone. I stayed as close as I could, shouting at them, but there was no answer. In the lead was Sig Hagen, oldest of the trio of brothers. He didn't see anything. The murk was too thick. Knut and Victoria were all but given up for dead. White and Japanese searchers worked over water, still uneasy from the night blow. Then came word that they were safe. Picked up by Solchi Shiho, Japanese gillnet man of Anglo-British Columbia Packing Company, at 3 a.m. Still clinging to the wheelhouse of their half-submerged hulk, they had been swept by the tide to a point midway between the lightship and active path. They had been adrift less than an hour. It seemed about three hours to us, he commented. They were not brought to Steveston till nine hours after they capsized. The boat was towed to Steveston by the Packer Sea Spray of BC Packers LTD. Damage to hull and gear is estimated at $200. The net was recovered by fishermen. The three brothers work for Nelson Brothers Fisheries Ltd. Mr. and Mrs. Hagen reside at 1915. I'm going to take the address out. I don't think that's relevant. Knut was surprised to learn. And I'm sorry, but that's where the article ends. It's a very old newspaper. What I'll do is contact the province and try and get the rest of the story. Thank you for listening to this short but sweet episode of Life with Catherine. 